0: Why don't we start with the word of prayer? Let's ask God to bless us with his Holy Spirit as we jump into the message. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much again for just Jesus. And Lord, thank you for the Spirit of God who testifies of Jesus. We pray and ask God that you would lead us closer to you. Father in heaven, we're praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're praying for a better understanding of your word and your will for our lives. That is our prayer, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many people were here last um, Saturday night for the Fall Festival? Raise your hand. Okay, that was just an amazing event. Now, if you missed the Fall Festival, you missed one of our biggest community outreaches. And it was so amazing just to see many of our church members come on out. I want to thank Harlan and Amy and just their hard work in putting this all together and the people who helped them. Um, I mean, they put out so much candy, okay? And uh, I'll tell you this, by the time I left the fall festival, I was five pounds heavier. <laughs> going to get into my pants the next day. I mean, it is just like... But it was a blessing to see many people come out from the community. And, and the reason why is because they're looking for safe alternatives than what the world offers. One lady was actually asking, and she says, Are you guys going to do this again next year? And she there's not a, a, an affiliation with the Seventh Day Adventist Church, but more and more as God calls us to reach out to our community, we're going to see people come out of the woodworks. One of my favorite parts about this fall festival is this: Pastor Nell was not involved in the planning of it. Amen. Now, I'm not saying amen because, oh, yeah, I don't want more work. I say amen because it's awesome to see church member-initiated events take place. Amen? Amen? And that's what we need more of. If you're waiting until Pastor Nell tells you what to do, you're going to be waiting a long time. God calls you to take an intentionality in your ministry. Can you say amen to that? Today's message is called The Light Bearer. I'm going to bear my soul open to you. I have a, a traumatic event or events that happened to me when I was younger. When I was younger, my parents, you know, they came from India. I was born in America. So this was a time where, you know, movies, the Hollywood began to really blow up. It wasn't the 60s or 70s. It was like the 80s and 90s, okay? And uh, their, their horror movies began to grow. And as a, a, a young Indian-American who had parents who really didn't understand the best of English, when they saw me watch things, they didn't think too much of it. They didn't know it better. So I'm not blaming them. But somehow I found this sort of... What's the word I'm looking for? I found this curiosity with horror movies. And let me tell you something. I watched so many horror movies that I could probably name still to this day what took place in those horror movies. Their titles, their the actors of those things. It has permanently warped my brain. And I thank Jesus He can change me. Amen? But this is who I am, and when I see something, I think, oh, that reminds me of, la, la, la. Or I hear something, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of, la, la, la. But what was very traumatic about the whole thing is this. I would many times watch the movies with people around me. Then when people were not around me, a terror began to set in. I became so terrified of the dark and I mean it was so bad, I feared sleeping at night in a room by myself. And there was one particular thing that I was afraid of and it was dolls. And my sister's dolls. My family, Lord willing I'll have one day, will not have dolls. The eyes of dolls watch you as you're walking by. And still to this day, like, I see dolls and I'm always like, Man, I don't like that thing. You know? No offense to Mr. Fiebermeister. He's not a doll. He's a puppet, right? So anyways, I I I grew up like this. I actually feared the nighttime for a certain phase of my childhood. I really feared it. I mean, it was so bad. I remember one night, my mom, she's like, You're going to have to sleep in that room. Your sister's in that room. You guys are going to sleep on that bed. You'll be okay. I was like, Okay. I'm older than my sister, not afraid. It was on the other side of the house. Turned off the light. And instantly, I begin to see shadows moving around. And I got so scared, I actually turned on the light and I ran towards my mom's room and I began pounding on the door. I'm like, mom, let me in, let me in, right? And she's like, no. And I'm like, mom, let me in, I don't wanna sleep here alone. She's like, no. You know, she knew what I was afraid of, but she didn't wanna have it so this is how I grew up in fact I was so terrified of dolls at this certain phase of my childhood I never forgot one day I actually took a doll my sister's doll, it was this one particular doll I walked over to the oven this is exactly what happened and I made sure my mom was in the living room okay? so I went in the kitchen, I turned on the oven and I grabbed that doll and I said if you're alive you better tell me or I'm gonna throw you in the oven that's exactly what I did I was trying to face my fears. And let me tell you something. Nothing happened. Like something should happen, right? Nothing happened, right? But you know what's so interesting about this? Is that through this time of my just horrifying, you know, reality at that time, there was something that brought an element of comfort to me. Light. I mean, it was like my safety. Whenever there was danger, I'd run in, I'd turn the light on. And it was like... It's okay. I'm okay. I never forgot one day I was sitting in my room terrified of this. Woke up in the middle of the night. And the door to my room was actually opening up in the living room. And the rocking chair was moving by itself. And I was watching and I was hearing this. But here's the thing. I was on my bed. I could see through the mirror on the door that was on the outside of the door that was open. And it reflected to what was in the living room. And I could hear and see the rocking chair moving by itself in the middle of the night. And for two hours, I remained completely still. I was even afraid to turn on the light and just rush in there. I didn't know what to do and I stayed there. And all of a sudden, my dad gets off work, comes home at 6 a.m., Light turns on, I rush right in there, and it was my little Pomeranian dog on the rocking chair, just sitting there, biting his ankle or whatever he was doing. That was rocking that thing, right? But I mean, light provided a great comfort to me. I mean, it was, as soon as I can get to that light switch, I knew that there was safety. I knew things were going to get okay. When I went to sleep at night, there was just this tear and this horror that was over me. But when light came, it brought just this serenity. Today, we're going to be talking about light. You know, light has many purposes. I'm going to ask you a question right now. Give me one purpose of light. What's one purpose of light? Pretend my ears don't work and you have to raise your hand, okay? Yes. To show the way. Good. What else is another purpose of light? Yes, Carmen. What? Lead? (laughs) Is that good. I like that, right? Anybody else? Yes. Huh? Photosynthesis, right? Produces food for our plants, right? What else? Yes. Illumination. Illumination, yes. Gives you, Gives you energy. Wow, we're getting scientific here, right? What else, right? What's another purpose of light here? Yes, Vicki. Find your way in the house. Any other purposes to light? Yes. Don. Huh? Vitamin D. Vitamin D. I like that. Any other purposes to light? What is it? energy, okay, yes, Gary, you're the last one God's what? God's glory, okay Jane, I saw you with your hand raised, we'll make you the last one go ahead do your work, okay Royce, you're the last one, I promise you go ahead, give me another purpose of light dispels huh? depression dispels depression, okay we have all the various reasons we could think about what light is good for now I want you to think for yourself what if there was no more light in the world can you imagine the world like this right now? Do you know there's parts of Canada where it remains dark for throughout the whole day? I mean, just think about that. In fact, depression rates go really high and suicide rates go high during that time period or that, in that place. But Jesus says something so interesting. Notice what he says right here in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says something so remarkable. He says these, Then Jesus spoke again, saying, I am the what? Light of the what? World. He that follows me shall not uh, walk in darkness, but shall have the what? Light of life. Jesus makes a remarkable claim. He says, look, I am the light of the world. Implying what about the world? It's in darkness and needs a light. And so Jesus says something so powerful. He says many things in the book of John, by the way. He says, I am the bread of life, right? I am the sheep gate. I am the good shepherd, right? I am the water of life. But he says something so remarkable here. He says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus makes an extraordinary claim about his identity, his mission. He is light upon this world. It's so remarkable when you begin to think about that. Notice what this author says right here. His name is Ravi Zacharias. He talked about light. Notice what the Bible says right here. Let me go back. I don't know how this thing is clicking. Here we go. Okay. The pursuit of the Hebrews. Okay, we will try it one more time. Okay, here we go. Okay, the pursuit... Oh my goodness, right now. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to not... Just press one button. Okay, no one touch anything. Here we go. The pursuit of the Hebrews was idealized and symbolized by what? Light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The people that sat in darkness have seen a great light. The The pursuit of the Greeks was symbolized by knowledge. Right? I mean, they search after knowledge of philosophy, right? They were trying to understand the world around them, right? Notice what it says right here. That's why the biblical writers say these things are in that you might know that you have eternal life. For the Hebrews, it was light. For the Greeks, it was knowledge. For the Romans, it was glory. The glory of the city of Rome. The glory of the city that wasn't built in a day. And here we have it. The Apostle Paul, a Hebrew by birth, a citizen of Rome, living in a Greek city. Very interesting. Had to give them the ideal of His ethic. This is interesting. I want you to pay attention to this. He says this in, for, in Corinthians. God who caused the light to shine out of darkness has caused His light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the what? Glory, Glory of God. Now notice this. In the face of who? Jesus Christ. So here you have the Jews who sought after light. You see it throughout the scriptures. They were searching after light and what this represented, the will and the word and the revelation of God. And then you have the Greeks who were constantly looking for knowledge and wisdom. Then you have the Romans that were out conquering, trying to build up glorious Rome. And so here Paul is, who's part of all these other systems, says, you know what? I want you to see something. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. If you want to see all these things that you are pursuing, you can see them in who? Jesus. Can you say amen to that? You can see them in who? Jesus. For the Apostle Paul, the ultimate ethic was not in abstraction, not symbolized merely by light, not merely by knowledge, not merely by glory, but in the very face of our Lord. Can you say amen to that? And this is the actual verse right here found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. Here Paul is communicating to many believers, God who caused the light to shine out of darkness has caused this light to shine in our what? Hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say amen to that? When you look at the life of Christ, And as over the last few weeks we've been talking about Jesus being uplifted more and more in our church. That all the teachings of the truth are designed as a pedestal to promote Jesus as our reason, our cause, our mission, our belief. Amen. But as we see this more and more, in a world that's becoming darker and darker, God calls us to let let this light shine brighter than ever before. Can you say amen to that? Notice what C.S. Lewis says right here. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see what? Everything else. Now, one day I was walking in the dark at camp meeting. You guys been to camp meeting before? Good. Walking at night. As I was walking at night, all of a sudden, I stop. Just abruptly stop. There was a thud. I looked down and there's a trailer hitch that my shin just hit. Has anybody ever hit their shin against a trailer hitch? They need to have a separate hospital for those kinds of things, right? I mean, this is an excruciating pain. But I want you to understand something. That In a dark room or a dark place, people fall, they trip over something, they hurt themselves, they don't see what's in that room. Are you listening to me? And so what Jesus is providing, when he says, I am the light of the world, what we are seeing in Jesus is a moral compass. A way to understand what right looks like and what wrong looks like. Jesus actually provides for us a way to navigate through just the quagmire of morals that are existing more and more and people's pontificating on though this is a right ethic or this is what we should do but Jesus provides for us a guide His whole life is the revealed picture of God Jesus is the perfect photograph of the Father and throughout His life We can see the way that he dealt with people, the way that he was obedient to God, and all these things. And what we find in Jesus is our perfect example. Can you say amen to this? You know what's very interesting, in all different cultures, different religions, Jesus is still respected. You know, I'm reading this book right now. It's for one of my classes. It's written by this Middle Eastern woman who is very much a devout Muslim. That's her religion. That's what she grew up with. But somewhere in the middle of the book, I noticed something. She's talking about her relatives and how she had one relative who was a Christian. And this person told her that Jesus was the Messiah. And she said, you know what? I began to think about this. Jesus is our Messiah. And then it just goes on to the next paragraph and the next subject. And just for this moment, you see this insertion of a thought that's there. That this woman... Know something about Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus said He is the light of the world, He wasn't meaning just Modesto. Can you say amen to that? When He is the light of the world, what He means is, I am the light for the entire world. The world sees Jesus as the ultimate moral God, whether or not they accept it or follow it. Either way, they see His life as something that is powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, people don't die for lies. When you look at Christ, and you see who He really is, it is through Him that we begin to see the world as well. How does Jesus view the world? So many times we've gotten so good at having our own form of justice. Our form of justice looks like something like this. They did this, therefore they deserve that. We've developed this ethic that is actually outside the way that Christ thinks. But I believe that God is calling us to see with His eyes the way He really is. And we will be challenged by that more and more. Can you say amen to that? In fact, everybody take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus makes a remarkable statement in Matthew chapter 5. And you're going to see where this is all leading to, okay? So you hang on tight. Matthew chapter 5, you're there, going to say amen. Now notice what he says in verse 13. Matthew 5 verse 13. You are the what? Salt of the what? Earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is then often good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Then notice what he says in verse 14. You are the what? Light of the what? World. A city that is set on a hill cannot be what? Do you know the difference between salt and light? Salt is not something when you pour it on your food that you're to see. When salt is poured upon food, do you know what happens? It's infused into the food itself. You don't see it. But the remarkable thing about light, light is supposed to be something that's external. And so what Jesus was saying was that you are to have an internal influence and an external influence upon this world. Can you say amen to that? Jesus makes a remarkable claim and he says this, look to his people, he says, you are to be the light of this world. In fact, Jesus says, look, as long as I'm in this world, the light is with you. Well, who was going to carry his light after he was to go to heaven? You were. Notice what he says next. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to the what? All who are in the what? House. Now notice what he says in verse 16. This is the way you do it then. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your what? Your Father Father in heaven. This is such a remarkable claim that Jesus makes. He says, look, you are to be light bearers to this world. As Jesus was the ultimate light bearer to this world, he says to his people, now you are to be light to this world. And he says, the way you do it is... You let your light shine. In other words, you remove those things that are blocking the light. The light will shine. The only way it wouldn't shine is if something's simply covering it. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to be lights to this world. Can you say amen to that? And he makes this remarkable claim about light. Notice what Ellen White says right here. If Jesus were made the sum and substance of every discourse given. I'm going to read it one more time. If Jesus was made the sum and substance of every discourse given, sinners would be converted. By the message born, they would know what they have done. They would have to do to be saved. Lift him up, the man of Calvary, higher and still higher. He who draws near to Christ need not to try to shine. As he beholds the Savior, he catches the divine rays of light from the Son of Righteousness. And he can, notice this, cannot help shine. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not calling you to have, uh, try, you, know, to, to, you know, hesitantly, reluctantly to try to be a witness. You see, when you spend time with the light, the light is on you and the light begins to shine and this is such a powerful thought when you begin to realize this you see the key to witnessing is to spend time with the light amen let's continue with this he cannot help shining. The light that is in him shines forth in clear, bright rays, in words and works of righteousness. Christ's grace dwells in him riches, richly and heaven's light shines through him. He honors Christ by complete obedience. Now notice this. He is stimulated to more vigorous action in the cause of God as he imparts that which the Lord gives him. More and more as his light is being shared, he has, begins to have this more desire and earnest sincerity to share even more. He who is a light, what? Bearer in the world. Are you a light bearer in the world? You're like, maybe. Are you a light bearer in the world? Yes. He is a light bearer in the world, the shedding light on those who are in darkness. He walks close by the side of Christ, conversing with Him and gathering divine principles from His Word. He goes about, notice this, doing good. Doing what? Good. Comforting the downcast. Guiding wandering footsteps in the narrow way. Sweetening the cup of bitterness, which many drink as a result of their own course of action. Watching over those who need the guidance of a firm, steady hand to lead them to the feet of the Master. Helping all with whom He comes in contact to fight manfully. The battles of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling you to be more of a light. And do you know what light ultimately is? Light is environment. You hear what I just said? Light is environment. Do you know if you take this plant right here, by the name of Paul, and you put him in good environment, do you know what happens? He will grow more, right? To eight feet tall, right? (laughs) But notice this. I want you to think of witnessing not so much as like, man, I just need to try harder. God is saying, be good environment to people. And you know when you're good environment to people, growth happens. Growth begins to change. People begin to change. And they begin to automatically respond to what's happening. You know, we have these um, Teen Bible Academy programs that happen. It's interesting. Many times we'll have these kids who are just like, I don't want to be part of this. I'm going to call mom. I'm going to go home. They're on their cell phone, tablet, or whatever they got tattooed on them these days, right? And anyway, so he's like, these kids, will get them. And they're just, they have nothing to do with spirituality. They really don't want to do anything with it. But then what we'll do is we'll surround them by young adults who love the Lord. And for three weeks, what happens is, as we take them on our... Solitude time in nature, or study time in one of the academies, and our service time in different parts of California—they change, and it's not like any kind of forced change. It's almost just like, like whatever is there, it's just now responding to the good environment. You see, God is calling us to be good environment, and when people are in good environment, do you know what starts happening? change happens. By the way, let me ask you a question. In the story of the parable of the Samaritan, what was the response of the man who was beaten, naked, left half dead, and then cared for by the Samaritan? What was his response throughout that whole story? It's in Luke chapter 10. What was the response of the good Samaritan? Not the good Samaritan, of the man who was... Beaten by the robbers, and then cared for by the Good Samaritan. What was his response? Mm -hmm. There is zero mention of what his response is. Do you know why that's important? Because God isn't saying, take care and love those who are thankful, who are appreciative, who speak in your favor, who do something back for you. You know what he simply gives? He gives a parable where there is an intentional response left by the person being cared for and loved, out of the story. And do you know what Jesus says to the man who originally asked the question? He says these things. He's like, essentially, which one of these is the neighbor? And the man says, grumbling, <laughs> the, "The Samaritan. And then he says, go and do likewise. What Jesus was actually asking the man was, what has God done for you? What has God done for you? He picked you up on the side of the road. You have a life now. A blessing, you have the grace of God upon you. And then he essentially says, do what God has done for you. By the way, do you know when in Adam's life the fulfillment of the law took place? We've been having a lot of quiet time together recently. When in Adam's life was the fulfillment of the... When was the law fulfilled in Adam's life? And think before his fall. Jan before his fall yeah when in Adam's life was the law fulfilled it's funny how you guys are struggling right now you're like here's the thing the law is to love the Lord God with all your heart soul and mind and to love your neighbor as you yourself let me ask you a question Adam loved the Lord God with all his heart soul and mind but who was he loving as his neighbor Notice this. It was only when Eve was created that the law could be wholly fulfilled in Adam's life. Are you tracking with me so far? Yes or no? Are you guys listening to me right now? I want you to understand something. The law isn't just filled by your obedience and worship to God. The law is fulfilled by your love for your neighbor as well. Are you tracking with me? And even Adam who was obedient to God, who understood the commands of God, who communed with God, he still needed to have that part of the law fulfilled in his life, which was to love his neighbor as himself. And that couldn't take place with those animals. I have a German shepherd. I love this dog. But let me tell you something. He's limited in appreciating love. Amen? His response is to bite my hand. You got a chihuahua. That's good, man. <laughs> but I want you to understand something. This is such an important thing for us to to really understand. And that is this, that we need to start loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. And in the story of the Good Samaritan, you have a man. And by the way, do you know one of the reasons why the priest didn't reach out to that, that man who was dying? Because he relegated his entire worship to God just to the temple. In other words, he was the kind of believer that when you come to church, he would be especially holy. He would be very punctual. He would participate in all the services. You would think this man is a holy man. But here's the thing. It was when he was away from Jerusalem that his religion was tested. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a powerful thought when you begin to realize this. God is calling us to love as Christ has loved us. You know, in our Sabbath school, we learned something about intercession. You know what we learned about intercession? That intercession takes place when there is first an identification. What do you mean by that? Do you know Moses identified with the people he was interceding for? Do you know Daniel interceded? But when you read in Daniel chapter 9, he says, Lord, forgive us for our sins. But there's no mention of Daniel's sin. When you read about Jesus, do you know why he can be our high priest and intercede for us? Because he identifies with humanity. Do you hear what I'm trying to say to you guys? We need to identify with the world around us. And I don't mean identify with sins or transgressions. I mean we need to identify these people are struggling. Are you tracking with me, yes or no? God is calling us like never before to let this light shine to remove those things that are preventing people from being loved you know we're going to get to heaven one day and I believe the ultimate question Jesus is going to ask is who's with you? who's with you? who's with you? this light needs to shine we are called to be light bearers and I really want to challenge you with this thought Lord, help me to love When I don't get anything back Help me to love Even when I don't hear or sense anything You know, I was counseling somebody who's not part of our church The name will not be mentioned Some time ago And It was very interesting In this particular situation They were struggling with something And I realized something They had a view of the gospel And that view completely affected the way they treated other people And so I shared with them the love of God, and they said, yeah, I know God loves me, like I get that part, but I know He also has limits. I know that when I don't spend time with Him, or I don't do the things He asks me, God stops loving me. And you know what I shared with her? I said, you're wrong about that. You're absolutely wrong about that. God still loves you. God still cares about you, and He wants to spend time with you. Sure, you're hurting yourself when you're removing yourself, but God's love for you has not ceased. And then you know what I begin to share with her? That this is being played out in even her relationships. That when she has a problem with somebody, strife happens. You know, she just separates herself from that individual. What happens in her walk with God is played out in all her relationships. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us like never before to understand, to see this beautiful truth of God's love. That He is the light of the world. And when this begins to be seen and experienced, guess what's going to happen? The people around you will share in this glory and light God is calling us like never before to see this light to love this light to experience this light and when we start doing this every day the light will shine upon our dark world God's not calling for superstars Amen He's calling for consistent people who want to say you know what We're going to love this person. We're going to love this person. Christ loved me. We're going to love this person. We don't like them. We're still going to love them. Amen. We're going to love them. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe what our church really needs like never before is the law of love fulfilled. The law of love fulfilled. Guess where it starts? In your own heart. You know, one day Illinois had this incredible vision. It's a vision not talked about. Where she saw the remnant church before the throne of God. And she says that Jesus breathed upon them light, power, holiness, love. Then she says he got up and moved on. And then she says, many of the people who chose not to follow Jesus were still there. And she says, somebody else showed up on that same throne and it was the devil. And she says these words, he breathed upon them power, light, knowledge. But the one thing that was missing from the breath of Christ and the breath of Satan was love. It's love. Your love for people isn't based upon how they love you. Amen? That's the one thing we need to sink in our heads more than ever before. We need to start praying, God, help me to start loving people. Help me to start loving them as you love them. And we're going to find incredible things happen when this glory is revealed, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to see in a world of lawlessness and coldness and hatred a great attraction to Christ. The center our worship. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Thank you. You are the light of this world. Let that light shine, Jesus says. Look at your life as a light to this dark world. It's our prayer. Why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father in heaven, confess, God, first we don't have this kind of love. It is not present in us. Lord, we're praying for a deeper love. A love that only heaven can bestow upon us, God. God, help us to love as you love. It's not natural in us, Lord, and parts of our hearts resist that, but God, Help us to love as you love. And if there's something in our own heart that's not even understanding, God, how much you love us, first change that. We thank you that you care for sinners such as us. That you love us, God, even in our follies and our mistakes. But we thank you, God, that love changes and transforms us. Father in heaven, you said to us, you are the light of this world. God, may that be fulfilled in our lives. May the law of love be fulfilled in our lives. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org